So they're strong and resilient, but they still need support. And just because we're not at war abroad, many families here are still at war at home. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, live from the GoBundant Summit in Park City, Utah. And I can't wait to share this guest with you because the work that she and her organization are doing, it's just incredible. Her name is Robin Kelleher, and she currently serves as president and CEO of Hope for the Warriors, the organization she co-founded in 2006. Her entrepreneurship, leadership, and passion has led to this highly successful once grassroots effort to, and she's taken it to national heights, raising over 53, that's correct, $53 million and significantly impacting the wounded and fallen military communities. She's responsible for developing and implementing the strategic direction of the organization, providing budgetary and mission-focused guidance to the growing staff of Hope for the Warriors. She is a member of the Greater Washington Board of Trade. There, There are just so many so many wonderful accolades, board of directors, Virginia's military and veterans affairs community. She's worked extensively with military families, caring for family units and multiple deployments. My God, we could go on and on. Robin, welcome to Daily Helping. I'm so <laughs> excited. You, I'm so excited because I just, I feel I so, cut you off a little so, <laughs> so strongly about the work that you guys are doing. Thank you. So I, you know, this is cool because one your impact started out very much at a grassroots level, as, as I mentioned, Absolutely. and now you're one of the most prominent nonprofits helping veterans. Tell us a little about you and your passion first for why. What was your why for, for getting involved with these veterans? So uh, as a military spouse, um, and we moved into uh, a military community in 2002, um, just as the war on, in Iraq was really kicking up. Um, and my husband deployed in the course of four years, three times while we were there, my neighbors even more so. Um, but in, what the biggest impact was his best friend was very severely wounded in 2003. And that, um, that was really the beginning of how we came to understand not only was a service member being wounded, but so was the whole family unit. And perhaps the community, their neighbors. I mean, it, it's frightening when you think how close it can come. Um, and so, uh, as military spouses, it is our passion and our, you know, quote unquote, our job to take care of each other and to make sure, especially during deployments, that the families are um, surviving and thriving. Um, so, in about 2005, um, my husband's best friend's wife and I started talking about what we could do 
to make sure that other families that were experiencing the same thing that she was, uh, and as when we were as her friends, um, were had a had a network of care that so they weren't falling through the cracks and people weren't understanding what was going on in their world and in their houses. Um, and so we, we started with just an event, really. We just wanted to bring the community together and say, we're all here together. We're going to get through this together. Uh, we want the community that we live in to understand the challenges that we're facing and really just connectedness. Um, it was also about the wounded service members that were coming back home. Um, many of them were, um, had not, you know, they, they don't PT as much and they, uh, they had injuries that they were healing from. And so the event was a run and the, the most important part of that run was that first mile. And so it was significant because it was a mile, but it was their first mile from their injury in, in getting back into that journey of what, what was going to come next for them. So it had a lot of really interesting significance. And from that, we recognized there was a lot more we could do that there was a lot of resources that uh, weren't available at the time and that if we wanted to take care of each other the way that we should, uh, we were going to have to do something a bit more than just have, you know, these particular events. So we did uh, put together a nonprofit organization with the help of a lot of great people. And we started building programs, um, programs that were not available in other places, programs that were critical to the journey that both the military service member and their family are on. Uh, and we grew. Um, we were mostly military spouses. So as everyone moved across the country, we were able to grow the organization places that we needed to be. Um, and we still maintain a 75% staff of either spouses or veterans. So the culture of the military is embedded in everything that we do. And we honor that with the programming, with interactions, with our events, with, with our daily mission-mindedness. <laughs> Did you ever envision it would get this large? Was this? Oh, heaven. <laughs> Gosh, no. I mean, I, I um, was saying earlier that uh, I was having children at the same time we were building this organization and wasn't sure that starting a nonprofit organization was the best thing for me to do. And um, it, it came down to the day that we received our paperwork back from the state of North Carolina. And the date of our incorporation was 9-11. 2006. And so to me, that was a message that this was the journey I was supposed to be on. And we just went from there. But to be sitting here 16 years later, we had no idea. No one did, um, which is fun and, and, and interesting at the same time, because we can build things that um, don't exist. Um, and we can be a part of a conversation and continue talking about military families and their needs. Um, it's such an unknown space that gives you a lot of, um, it gives you a lot of leeway and a lot of innovation, places for innovation and creativity um, because it's not been done before. I'd love for you to spend a little more time talking about military families and their needs because most people don't know. Actually, I, I was lucky enough to hear you on stage a bit before and you shared some, some data that was shocking because I didn't know it and, and I don't think most Americans do. So... Talk to us about what the typical military family looks like in terms of you know, demographics, income, and whatnot, and, and why this care is so important. Thank you. And, and Dr. Richard, you know, uh, with your experience and your um, background in social work and psychology, um, the mental health of military families is our priority. Uh, we want 
military families, not to just survive, we want them to thrive. And that takes a village, uh, a village of programming, a village of understanding and, and knowledge and education. Um, one thing that we have found very interesting about uh, our clientele is our typical, our typical client is a male service member between the age of 30 and 35. They're married with two kids, uh, still serving their country or out, but with a combined annual income of $45,000. So if you can imagine that, um, that right off the bat shows there's financial stressors in that family. Um, you couple that with moving place to place. You couple that with uh, employment issues. You couple that with the education and all these different stressors that our military families uh, are under and that can fracture a family very quickly. Um, our goal is to reduce the rate of suicide, also the rate of divorce within military families because the military is a really critical a component of this health and safety of this country. And it's really important that as a, that the families stay in, intact and healthy. Um, and so from, we, we sort of see this from a social work perspective, um, the mental health piece. So we do have case management um, that applies not just um, perhaps therapy, but also a financial piece and an employment piece and a physical piece uh, and a mental health uh, really looking at positive mental health as the goal. A lot of people don't realize, you know, you can go to combat and you can never get shot. You don't necessarily need to see your buddy get hit by an IUD, but you're never the same. And I, I think there's, there's a gap from an awareness standpoint at large. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So the training that the military undergoes um, when they go into combat. And like you said, they may never see some of the most tragic horrors that um, some do. Um, but the training itself and the, the fact that you're willing to go there and do the things that you may have to do is just, it's equally distributed amongst all of the experiences. Um, and we do a good job of getting them trained for that and getting them ready to, to do things that they may not um, have ever thought they could do. What we don't do is we don't help them process what that's done to them when they come back. And so that it's, it's normal. Trauma is, happens everywhere in life, but you got to learn to process that trauma so that it doesn't affect and impact the rest of your life. Um, and we, we have a stigma in this country about um, that kind of that process and normalizing that process. And you, you know that better than anyone. Um, it's really incumbent on us, incumbent upon us to ensure that that it is a normal process and that it is a means to an end. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Indeed. And so I'd love for you to take our listeners through the journey 
of a veteran who comes into Hope for the Warriors and where they start, the type of specific things that they, we've touched on it, but I really want to take a deep dive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what the outcome measures look like. So if um, there's other, no, we have many open doors at Hope. You may come to us through a Google search on the, on the internet. You may come to us from a referral from your next door neighbor. Uh, it may be a referral from the Naval Hospital. It may be um, from the VA. So we, we have a lot of different entry points into the organization, but they all go to an intake specialist. And that intake specialist spends on average 75 minutes with each person who comes into Hope for the Warriors. And they really take a deep dive into what is going on in your world. What is it that you really need? And how did you get to where you are right now? Um, and once you put that puzzle together, you can then look at the resources within the organization. It may be that they come in with a financial request. And most of our, most of our clients come in with some sort of financial distress. But why are they in financial distress is really the question. And it takes really talented and compassionate people to want to spend that time and also to want to know enough to help put together a, a recovery or care plan for them. And so that's, that's the goal is we put together a recovery or care plan for our clients. And it may be using all of the resources that Hope has. It may require that there's resources from some of our partner organizations that are more applicable to this particular journey. Um, so it's all put together. And then they're walked through that care plan with a veteran, someone who knows them and understands where they are. Um, another interesting fact, we do find that the veterans that come to Hope more than likely take a lot longer to get to a place of asking for help where the family members are coming much sooner. Uh, and it's a, it's a culture issue. Mm -hmm. And so how many veterans would you say that you have served so far in your? So annually we're serving about 5,000 service members and family members over the last 16 years and give you some pretty significant numbers there. Um, this year in particular has been a little bit, uh, our numbers have been increased. The, uh, with the events in Afghanistan, we saw a huge influx of, um, clients coming with most, most of them with depressive orders or um, issues that were pertaining to their service. And was it a value or our gold star families who needed someone to say your hun your husband or your sons or your daughter's life was important and it had meaning. And just because this particular event took place doesn't take away from that. And, and so for somebody listening to this and they might be thinking, well, you know, there's a VA system in place and, and, and you know, we're, we're not going you know, to spend 20 minutes disparaging the VA system. It, it's designed for a purpose, but talk to us about why the VA system is falling short and why they're not enough and why hope is a critical organization because of that. So that's a great question. And you know, a lot of it, it's so easy to go to what's wrong with the VA um, I'd rather talk about what's right with the VA yeah, and great. because it's such a, an important resource for veterans and their families. And um, one of the key priorities that we have uh, in our organization is making sure that our clients are getting their VA benefits. So that is priority number one. Um, 
you know, the VA is a, it's a big organization and it's government run. And so there is a lot of politics and there's restrictions and boundaries that nonprofits don't have. Um, what I do like about the VA and what I, I'd love to highlight is the VA has come a long way over the years. And I truly believe that that progress has been driven by the nonprofit sector. If you look at the partnering that you know, we're working on between all of us and the VA, it really drives progress. We're a force multiplier. So the VA is a very important part of a solution, uh, a solution plan. And again, collaboration between the VA and the nonprofit sector is critical. Very well said. So I, I'd like to spend a little bit of time, if you would, diving into a couple of case studies, if you could, some, some real phenomenal success stories that you guys have had and so we can really tangibly wrap our minds around that impact. Yeah, so we have a, um, a story that kind of highlights um, uh, homelessness in veterans. Um, we were contacted uh, by a, a young man who was living in his car. It was last, last December. Um, he ha was a survivor of suicide and was trying desperately to get his life back together, but he was living in his vehicle at the time. And so he came through our intakes process. Um, our skilled therapists and social workers uh, were able to connect him to all the resources that he deserves and um, that, he's, that he's earned through his service. Um, and they got him into temporary housing uh, from that place. So what our goal is, is to stabilize and then to, um, to go through trauma, then you stabilize and then get them to a place of resiliency. So this young man went through that entire journey with Hope for the Warriors and has now got a job and he has a place to live. Uh, he's no longer living in his vehicle and he's beginning to thrive. It's taken time, you know, because he's, he's been on a tough journey, but um, he's, uh, he's appreciating his life, which is so important. He sees hope in the world again um, and he's becoming a contributor to uh, his community and to his family, which was so important to him. It's a beautiful story. It, it, are there any, uh, maybe one more that you could think of that where you've also had such a phenomenal impact? Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of my favorite stories. So you probably could hear it from me all the time. A, a young family with a Marine who was very severely wounded in Iraq very early on. Um, and with his severity of injury, he was sent to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio. Uh, and like many of those families, most people don't understand this, um, they, the family's uprooted from where they live and they go to live at a medical, uh, medical center for years, depending on the injury. And so we met this family in Texas uh, and began to help with just little needs that they were having, financial needs about moving and, and getting settled there. Um, we stayed with them as part of their recovery plan. Um, this particular family just kept getting hit left and right by more and more um, uh, trauma. And it was just fascinating because you think, how much more can somebody take? And, and so during a Welcome Home Veterans Parade in Texas, they were in a wagon, they were crossing railroad track. The train came through and hit the wagon. Um, several people in the wagon were killed and, and our family was re-injured uh, and the wife was injured. So she went from being a caregiver to him also being a caregiver for the two of them. Uh, they never faltered though. You know, the strength and resiliency that they had as a family um, was amazing. 
Uh, and so we, we stayed with him again as they moved across to this, the country to North Carolina. He stayed in the Marine Corps. He was promoted. Um, and at the same time, his wife was uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. So again, one more thing. Uh, you would have thought this would have destroyed that family. But we surrounded them with love and with the resources that they needed. Uh, and while it was tough, they're a thriving family. They have a beautiful son. Um, the Marine's been promoted again, uh, and he'll retire and hopefully serve his country in a different way. Uh, she's a teacher, so she's clearly serving her country. Um, and it's just a great story of resiliency in the military family and what, what can happen if you give them a little bit of hope. I love that. And, and uh, I want to mention something that you talked about on stage as well. You mentioned the creativity of your organization to bring resources together and help in different ways. And, and you highlighted uh, what had happened in Kentucky with those tornadoes that ripped through that state in December of 2021. Share that with us, because I, I really thought that was awesome. Oh, thank you. So um, one of the things about Hope and I love is that we're not no people. Um, and when we see a great opportunity to serve our military community in, uh, in ways that some people would say, no, we can't do that. Um, that's really where we get kind of spurred up. We're very fiercely solution-driven. And we saw an opportunity to uh, address food insecurity in those communities that had been uh, hit so poor, badly by the tornadoes. Um, so we pulled all of our part, we pulled a group of our partners together, unlikely collaborative partners, um, one being the grocery store chain, Food Lion, uh, the other being Frito-Lay, a snack um, maker. And then we brought in Forward Air, which is a trucking company. We brought in the armed services YMCA. Uh, they had a, uh, you know, a site right where we needed to do the distribution. And we brought in Navy Federal Credit Union. So again, an unlikely bunch of people uh, all together. And in a, the course of about seven days, we were able to distribute 3,600 boxes of food and gift cards so that uh, our families were able to buy fresh meat and fresh vegetables. Um, and each one of them got a thank you for your service card that was made by volunteers at Navy Federal Sub Credit Union. Uh, so it was a, uh, we were able to do this on December 23rd. So volunteers came out, gave up time that they would be spending with their family. Our staff gave up time that they would be spending with their family and spent the day uh, making sure that these families had food and in necessities for the holidays. It's so fantastic. And, and you know, you're able to do this because of the contributions mm -hmm. and generosity Absolutely. of others. So talk to us about fundraising here. This is, this is the part we want you, if you're listening yeah. to this, we, of course, you're listening to this. We want you to really focus on this part because this is how you can play a role. So talk to yeah, us, Robin. Absolutely. Um, so fundraising, as you can imagine, has been challenging over the last two years. Um, we've done a great job of really rebounding. Um, and I think people are feeling much more comfortable about getting back out and um, being part of communities and then also being um, the philanthropists and, um, and ensuring that they are, are making an impact in the world as well. Um, we obviously uh, are only donation driven. Uh, we don't receive um, government grants. Um, so this is the generosity of the American people. And we're a good investment. You know, 90, over 90 cents of every dollar goes to our programming. And we are a four-star rated charity with Charity Navigator and several of the other 
uh, rating organizations. So we're a great investment and the money that people donate goes directly to the people. And so it's, uh, you can see what you're doing. You know, you get to hear the stories, you get to see the people that you're affecting and impacting with an investment and hope. Um, and there's so many ways to donate. We have a website that makes it very easy, uh, lots of social media opportunities. Um, but best way to learn as much as you can about hope is to go to our website at www.hopeforthewarriors.org. And that's F-O-R. The Warriors. Yes, F O R spelled out. Yes, wonderful. So uh, before we wrap up, I, as you know, I ask everybody who comes on this show one question. And Robin, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like the listeners to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I want the American people to see the value and the importance of military families, and that while they're still at war at home. When you look at who's your best bet as an employee, who is going to be the leader of your Boy Scout troop and who's going to be the coach of the baseball team, that's going to, the first ones to raise their hands are going to be the military families. So they're strong and resilient, but they still need support. And just because we're not at war abroad, many families here are still at war at home. Thank you for sharing that. Give us the URL just one more time, please. One more time. Thank you. Uh, www.hopeforthewarriors.org. And, and for those of you in the car, we got you covered. We'll have everything related to this episode in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Robin, thank you so much for coming on thank today. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Thank you for all of the work that you and your organization is doing. It's fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks to each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 